0: Hello everyone, welcome to the TF Blockchain Podcast, where we interview blockchain and digital currency innovators building our distributed future. I'm your host and founder of TF Blockchain, Jonathan G. Blanco. TF Blockchain hosts premier conferences, events, and media featuring blockchain leaders actively growing the industry. With our platform, we are connecting business and technology executives with blockchain innovators leading the charge through our interactive speaker presentations, facilitated networking sessions, and our video and podcast series. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you about our consulting arm, TF Agency, where we work with blockchain companies, companies looking to adopt the technology, entrepreneurs and investors looking to understand the space, and with those looking to grow their career in this emerging industry. For more information, please email us at info@tfagency.io. In this episode, we listen in on a live recording from our recent TF Blockchain Conference, TF3, held on March 28, 2019, in Seattle. We hosted a panel titled Financial Markets Implementing Blockchain. This panel was made up of Jim Dolbear of Elixir, Jan Savisky of Law Token, Sean Shea of Concrete, and Robert Beatles of Crypto Beals leading the conversation. They discussed security tokens and the barriers around them reasons for building blockchain businesses outside the United States other than just regulations, and the digital future of money. There was a great discussion about the panel after the event, and I hope you enjoy it as well.
1: So, let's start off. Jim, tell us about yourself. Uh, my name is Jim Dolbear, and uh, the reason I'm here is that uh, I started working with David Sham who's a cryptographer who's known for inventing electronic cash, but he's also, um, uh, probably the leading voting security uh, guy in the world. And he and I did a bunch of work around voting uh, in 2000 through 2007. And about two years ago uh, we, we formed a company called Elixir uh, based on some work that David had started about four or five years ago. And we have a full stack blockchain that uses a different consensus and security approach and also includes a mix based on uh, some of the work that David had done in mixed networks so we can provide privacy but also uh, process payments and messages and data transfer at really high rates of speed, big volume and with very low latency. Awesome. How would you get the space? So uh, what basically what happened was, David and I had been working together for a very long time and um, when Bitcoin started to heat up, and people would call him and ask him to comment. And so he'd, he would tell me like, you know, I have nothing to say because I know the limitations of the approach because a lot of it, the crypto is based on things I've done and I'm intimately familiar with the weaknesses of it and I don't know what to do to fix it. So I'm just gonna stay on the sidelines. And that went on for a couple of years. and uh, And in 2014, an academic consortium uh, implemented some work he'd done, and uh, we figured out that you know we thought we could add add some value and help, and that's when we came back into the space. Cool, yeah. And then so, Sean, you know, who are you, buddy? What do you do? How'd you get in the space?
2: Hey, I'm Sean Shea. I'm CEO and founder of a company called Concrete. Um, we're out here, based in Seattle. And thanks, Jonathan, for having us out here. Um, this is an awesome event, always is. Um, so we're focused on bringing private commercial real estate investing and making that accessible to the everyday investor for as low as a dollar. Um, our thesis around this has been uh, mobile-first, focusing on millennials, Gen Z, the digital natives, bringing them uh, a mobile-first investing experience where there's liquidity baked into uh, everything that they're doing. So kind of bring all the promises around asset tokenization on multiple layers of commercial real estate. Cool. When'd you get in the space? I got into the space uh, in 2017. I was working on selling my last company, which is also Seattle-based. Um, so I started diving into this when, of course, it was like ICO madness. Uh, I was like, what is all this stuff going on over here as I was stepping out and working on the transaction? Uh, and just started diving in head first. And I think like a lot of us in this room, it, it, was like, it felt like a rabbit hole that never ended. Um, <laughs> I came out of it, took, some, uh, took a nice uh, breath of air, started talking with uh, my now co-founder, Rui, over there uh, around what is, you know, what can we do with blockchain, uh, you know, around commercial real estate? How do we
3: actually leverage this technology for some good?
4: Cool, man. Yan, tell us about yourself.
3: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, I'm Jan Stavisky from uh, Litoken, uh director of BD for US. Uh, so we're a top 20 utility and security token exchange. Uh, We're doing about 200 uh, 200 million volume uh, daily trading volume. Last year, we were doing about 10 to 12, so it gives you an idea how fast we've grown. Uh, We've focused a lot on uh, listings and partnerships, me personally, and we have a huge US base. Uh, That's the majority uh, of our user base. So I'm here in the US, uh, focus a lot on the West Coast, listings and partnerships, work with the exchange, uh, primarily because I like to network with a lot of people in the blockchain space. Uh, I'm super interested in what people are doing. And there's a lot of innovation, so I'm, I want to be at the for- forefront of it. Cool. What year did you get in the space? I got in about uh, 2012. Uh, I heard about Bitcoin, and, I, and somebody told me it was like a, like a game or something, an online game. So I, just, I decided to buy some Bitcoin. <laughs>
4: still kind of is. <laughs>
3: it, 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 it is still a game. Uh, and I, I dropped it for about four years. Uh, I checked back in 2016, and I had about, like, the, the couple of Bitcoin I bought looked pretty good. So I decided to get in space. So now, you're, now, you're, now you're in it for life. <laughs> awesome. That's right. Cool. And
4: then for people that don't know me, my name is Robert Beatles, uh, Christian father, husband, that's my kid over there with the Monarch shirt. So um, one of the largest uh, construction service providers in California, got like 70 locations up and down the state, uh, own a software company, build stuff for like the government, uh, then we created Monarch, which is uh, I think the world's best cryptocurrency wallet and all in one platform. And then uh, we have a YouTube channel that we started for friends and family. Now we're one of the top five in, in the world for crypto. So, a lot of cool stuff. But uh, love the space. Got in in uh, 2011. The guy named Max Kaiser. For people that know, you know Max, he's got uh, a lot of awesome views and some controversial. But uh, he optimized to Bitcoin back then, and you know I haven't been able to close them. So, love me some crypto. Um, speaking about crypto, you know, a lot of people, I don't know if you guys see this on TV, like if you guys watch Blacklist, I don't know if you guys saw, you know, Blacklist, uh, James Spader, all that. Anyways, you see like this negative sentiment towards crypto you know like they had this crypto banker episode where it's just used for you know the dark web it's just you know for nefarious acts and things like that and everybody in this room knows that that's not the case just like the internet how it was just for for porn it was just for you know bad people illicit actors all that kind of stuff i think everybody here knows that there's super you know value behind blockchain and crypto so knowing that you know with this panel of experts we have up here you know what do you guys think i mean as far as we could talk about utility tokens but i think people really, their eyes are starting to open to security tokens where you can take something from the physical world and basically digitize it, right? So where do you think, like, the biggest, you know, opportunities are, especially for you, Sean, because this is kind of like your realm, right? So maybe talk a little bit about security tokens, the benefits, you know, and and some of the, um, I guess, some of the issues with it.
2: Yeah, so um, when we talk about security tokens inside Concrete, we we look at it in in many different layers. Um, There's security tokens in which, uh, you know, there's tokens that are classified as securities, Uh, There's asset-backed tokens, and and where we play is really asset tokenization, Uh, and that's, you know, taking something that's physical and and converting it and showing sort of ownership equity value inside of a token and and building automation around, you know, transfers and other sort of regulatory matters or even handling distributions. Um, So I, I think there's That space, uh, I think there's a lot of sort of untapped uh, potential there. Uh, It's very nascent. Um, There's a lot of people kind of running into that space right now, and I think there's a lot of regulatory work to be done before everything kind of unlocks. So I think that as a a market is huge. I think all the work around uh, digitalization of any sort of asset right now is is really untapped in terms of what does that mean? How does that change behaviors as people think about either investing or being able to even claim ownership
4: of assets. What do you think like the biggest hurdle is to like, you know, basically liquidity, right? Because that's a huge issue with all these tokens, right? Money, right? So what are you seeing with the the liquidity part of it?
2: Yeah, so liquidity is, is, Fun. I think uh, when people talk about asset tokenization, there's the dream of liquidity, and I think that's what everyone is promising. Uh, liquidity, to me, I mean, requires a lot of things. Um, you have to have a large enough market. You have to have enough participants uh, and enough demand for liquidity to actually be there. So trying to sell your ownership is, is not the hard part. It's, it's finding the buyer to actually buy what you have. Like, I think that's the, the biggest challenge. Uh, so that's where I think there's a lot of uh, barriers of entry right now in terms of uh, hurdles that we need to kind of cross
4: over to get to that point. So Jan with the La Token, maybe you talk about that.
3: Yeah, I'll pick it back off of that a little bit. Um, at La Token, we we already started listing security tokens. We're doing uh, security token offerings for projects that want to do uh, want to sell their security tokens outside of the U.S., uh, outside of China, other other jurisdictions. But it's a two-sided equation because uh, can we see liquidity? if uh, there's not enough projects, uh, for example, on the exchange that are doing security token offerings. uh, And again, with the barriers of entry uh, to be able to participate in security token offerings, are there enough people to do it? So perhaps we're going to see liquidity, kind of like Sean said. uh, if, If those barriers become a little bit less than what they are right now, and are there good enough projects for people to want to, uh, you know, cross those barriers and, barriers and be able to participate in uh, security token offerings. So that's that's kind of the question right now. And uh, will we see it in the next year? I, I don't know, uh, but we're working to find out.
4: So that kind of, you know, with Jim. So you've you've basically built your company outside of the U.S. Kind of, what you was talking about barriers of entry. So we're talking about regulation, right? We're talking about Uncle Sam. We're talking about you know the government, right? you know, the Fed, right? So you've kind of stayed out of the U.S. You want to talk about some of the problems you've had and maybe ways?
1: You know, maybe I just, uh, one of our um, early investors is a big Korean financial services company. And um, the reason they kind of keyed in on on us is that they felt that we could provide a consumer platform in, in Southeast Asia as the middle class comes online. And, you know, it's straightforward in some sense. You have people who are... Families that are for the first time ever in their history have some excess money, and they, what are they going to do with it? They buy life insurance, put it away for education or for retirement, and that's never happened before. And you know, because it's happening right about now, it's on the smartphone. So, like in the United States, when I was growing up, you know, there were these banks, and you drive when we when my family drove across the country, every small town you drive in, there'd be these big banks with granite. That's not going to happen. There aren't going to be big banks. There isn't going to be physical money. There aren't going to be big vaults. What there's going to be is networks that have security and smartphones that have user interface so that people can come on, online, if you will, financially, just like everyone in America did. And, you know, it's a big market. If you know any of the demographics, say, in Indonesia, there's a lot of people and there's a big middle class and that's really what's going on. So when people say like blockchain is a scam or or I mean, pieces of it definitely are, but the idea that there isn't something fundamentally, you know, fundamental going on here that's real is kind of crazy. And for us, a lot of it is happening outside the United States because the United States is a more mature economy and a more mature society. It's as simple as that. So for us to kind of like struggle with US regulations when the market is outside the United States seemed a little crazy. So, uh, you know, we're, we're raising money uh, offshore. We have a Cayman Islands entity uh, through a Reg S offering because it matches, you know, our market approach as well. Yeah, I mean, U.S.
4: has a huge market here. So what's it going to take for you to, to come back,
1: you know, to well, come we, home? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, everything will get sorted out in the United States. So uh, it's just that we're small enough. We have about 20 people. Um, and we blow a lot of money on, on, we blow enough money already on lawyers, let me put it that way. So we have to kind of just wait around, wait until things get sorted out here, which won't be too long, I don't think.
4: Gotcha. I had my timer on my phone, but it, uh, I can't read it. So <laughs> how much time do we
1: got? We got uh, uh, yeah, about,
4: uh, nine, minutes. Nine, nine minutes. Nine minutes. All right. So I keep asking questions, but it'd be great to get some people out here because we got a lot of smart people out here. So who's got some questions for the panel up here? What do you get? Uh, there we go. All right.
1: Wait. Thank you. Um, nice to meet you all. The tokenization of assets, and then moving those tokens into sort of like La Token. Uh, how does that work in terms of any appreciation of the asset, communication of the asset rights, shareholder, or the owner's rights or the holder's rights, and how does La Token if they're participating in something like that, communicated that then to the person or accept those rights
3: themselves. Uh, it's a very good question. Uh, unfortunately, it'll be something for more for our legal team. Uh, I don't personally work with the tokeniz- tokenization team, so, so I'll chime
2: in a little bit just because yeah, yeah. you know we're we're kind of in that space, and I can't. I don't know enough about the you know how it's all handled on the exchange side. Uh, I can only speak about what I've seen you know in, in sort of the markets that we're in. Uh, around asset tokenization, um, our, the way we view it right now is it's, it's a mechanism uh, that replaces, uh, you know, your paper security or a digital share with a lot more uh, capabilities inside of it. Um, so that is representation of rights, uh, you know, as, as a token holder, it's kind of, hey, I sit in this class of shares, uh, I have X amount, and that's the amount of tokens that you have. Um, and then in terms of actual transferring it to, to us, it would work the same way that you transfer anything else in the blockchain. Uh, you know, you choose a you know an N address, and I would imagine it would be an exchange address that you'd move it into f- to then bring it into uh, doing an exchange. And then there's a whole bunch of regulations when you're you're uh, that get applied when you're we're dealing exchanges. So T zero, for example, from what we've seen is accredited investors only. So you go through KYC ML accreditation process as well. Uh, so that's kind of how you're, you're managing identities as well. And uh, I really do hope that long term there's a better way to do it because anytime you do want to bring it in for some liquidity uh, optionality, you know, if you're not doing a direct
1: transfer or anything like that, then you got to go through that process. It's 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 painstaking. I'd also just chip shot in that, you know, the, the administrative and technical details of establishing ownership and transferring ownership and tracking ownership um, actually kind of pale in light of like establishing value and liquidity. And that's true in mature markets here. You know, it's like, what is a share of Apple stock worth? You know, the, that's the interesting question that the share and the legal transfer of it is pretty trivial at this point. So there's a huge amount of, you know, information that's provided by third parties around all these tokens. And that will be more and more true. And then, you know, there's, there needs to be uh, significant liquidity in a market so that a market can digest that, that information and create a value. It's just like it's always been, really.
4: Who else has got something? So I've got a question, Brock Freeman.
2: Uh, any of you can answer it. Last year we saw a couple of deals that were real estate asset backed. Uh, tokens that were put out there this year. I think there's been a few. Uh, One of the biggest was St. Regis and that garnered a lot of media attention because of the size of it and the success of it, so to say. Uh, However, it it almost seems like it's kind of slowed down. I haven't seen any more news about it. And I know predictions are hard and nobody really wants to make them, but can you maybe talk about perhaps why that's the case and what's going to need to happen to see that really start to get some traction in the marketplace and really uh, see a lot more real estate or asset-backed real estate deals which seem perfectly suited for blockchain-based smart securities or tokens? Well, Yeah, I'll take a first crack on. at that. Um, so I think from what we've seen uh, in terms of these larger deals, I mean, they they were great when they came out. There was a huge amount of marketing splash and attention towards it because it was like, here you go. Here's this building. We're going to tokenize this thing and then we're going to sell it. Um, I think the, the challenging thing right now that's been uh, affecting a lot of companies and and tokens in the space has really just been the bear market. And that's really kind of pulled back confidence in terms of investing into the space. Um, Not only that, but then when you take a look at how these security tokens are are being managed, I think there's a lot of things that the issuers uh, frankly don't have control over right now. Uh, So a lot of these mechanisms are still being figured out. It's relatively nascent in terms of how this works. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised to, you know, see the tokens reissued and reissued with new code, new technology. And that's kind of a weird behavior for a lot of people that are used to just investing in something and going, hey, I'm, I'm good. Right now you're going to get an email saying uh, so check your wallet because we're going to send you you know your new vision token and then you know etc so it kind of conforms to the challenges of software and us having to iterate that time and time again um, but what I would say to where this this goes and kind of how I'm, I I'm hoping, you know, with all this kind of pans out is that as more people become interested in it, um, you're going to see more market participants. And then what's going to happen is you're going to have more options. And I think like what you were saying, uh, you really can't have a market unless there's more optionality and there's enough interest there. And I think driving that level of engagement to build that up in terms of having a true audience is, is really going to bring, uh, you know, and help people achieve liquidity long term.
4: Yeah, I think a lot of it, too, is regulation, right? When you talk to different attorneys, when you talk to different broker-dealers, there's still a lot of a lot of questions. They're hoping they do things right. They're not really sure. You talk to one attorney, he says one thing. You talk to another attorney, he says another thing. So people kind of get scared, and you know, then with the bear market, then they're they're really freaking out. So yeah, I see a lot of that.
1: The other thing I'd say, the, the good news about real estate is, tokenized real estate is the real estate's real. Like, so like you point out, it's real. The bad news is that means that, they're real real estate assets in cities all over the world. And if you happen to be a person, a middle class person in some country, you have no idea what those cities are and where. So you've created a challenge where you have to actually understand all these real estate markets. That's not the case, say, with Bitcoin, which is one thing everywhere in the world. So there's a, I think it'll take a little bit of time for, that to, for those markets to mature.
3: Uh, I'll pick. I'll pick you back off for that a little bit. Uh, I see. I see firsthand a lot of very promising projects: uh, real estate, uh, finance, healthcare. Uh, it doesn't really matter. It, it, in the bear market, especially with regulation coming in, uh, n- not because there's any specific regulations, but simply that there's a lot of projects that you know raise a lot of money. Now uh, they're dealing with a lot of legal issues. It simply scared a lot of people out of the market. Even, even with promising projects. Uh, but right now, uh, sim- similar to what happened in like 2014, 2015, uh, it seemed like projects were never going to get funded again. Uh, everything was going to go south. Uh, we're seeing that pick back up again. and It's some- something like we see with IEOs, a lot more money coming back in. Um, and the more interest that comes in, there's going to be more, uh, more focus on figuring out regulation, uh, whether it's in the U.S., whether it's not, uh, and picking things back up. So I think uh, it's gonna take time, maybe a year, maybe a little bit longer. But it's, it, I, I'm, I'm pr- I personally see the interest coming back in and projects uh, getting back uh, into the speed of things. Cool, well we
4: got about 42 seconds left. So what's your guys' thoughts on ICOs? Are they coming back or are they dead? Is something else gonna take their place, STOs? Or does, does ICOs have a chance whatsoever of coming back whatsoever here in the U.S.?
3: Uh, in, in the U.S., I think um, not in the short term. Not not in the short term. I personally see a lot of projects um, that were in the U.S. leave the U.S. Uh, and go to go to places like uh, Malta or Cayman, uh, Estonia, Singapore, and um, you know a lot of those that stayed are focusing on security tokens. Uh, those I don't see any serious liquidity like we we saw with uh, uh, ICOs in t- in 2019. But I see that in, in the next couple of years. Uh, those that left, uh, I'm I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing them still raising money. I'm still, still seeing traction. I don't think they're going to die completely. And I think there's still a market going to be out there.
0: Thank you for listening to the TF Blockchain podcast. We appreciate your support as we continue our mission to connect the broader business and technology community with blockchain innovators. For the most up-to-date information on all things TF Blockchain, please visit tfblock.io. Please like and subscribe to our podcast to be the first to hear from our amazing speakers changing the world through blockchain and crypto. If you're interested in partnering with the TF Blockchain podcast, please email us at podcast at tfblock.io. Be on the lookout for TF Blockchain chapters coming to your city, and please reach out to us if interested in becoming a chapter director. We hope to see you soon at one of our live events. Thanks for listening, and remember, stay crypto, my friends. The views and opinions expressed at TF Blockchain events and podcasts are solely those of the ones presenting and do not necessarily reflect the position or opinion of TF Blockchain. TF Blockchain is not responsible for the opinions or content of its guests and does not endorse any particular company or currency. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be used to make investment decisions.